Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's episode, we are going to do a full look back on the season just finished and a little look ahead to next season. Joining me to do this are Mark Wallace. Mark, how are you doing? Feeling pretty champion, to be honest. James Kearney's here. James, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here. And also joining us is David Forrest. David, you well? Hello, I'm very well. Good stuff. David, I'll start with you. Just give us your general thoughts on, on the season then. It, it, it's a very contrasting season. Um, obviously, it's all about that big month turnaround. I don't think there was too many people expecting us to win the title in such convincing fashion back in sort of, you know, before the, the restart. Um, it, it's... For me, the, the season seems to be summed up by we we were we were quite poor in the start of the season, but we were still like grinding out draws and scrappy wins and stuff like that. And then we kind of came into our own after the restart. I mean, like any season where your goalkeepers equal the clean sheet record twice in the same season with different goalkeepers has got to go down as you know a, a very well done season. And I think it's just more accentuated by the fact that our lows, you know, our defeats. And our sort of and draws were all quite embarrassing, but those were the only ones that happened. We didn't really have any sort of losses or draws or anything that were just a bit meh. Do you know what I mean? They were kind of like, mm, you know, maybe the, the Falkirk one or whatever, but like it was a case of like when, when we hit our lows, it was a very short and sharp low. And then the, those kind of cloud the campaign a bit, but I think you have to look on it as a great season overall. Like, uh, obviously. Hindsight. I think you've made a, made a good point. I think the only game we lost by more than one goal in any competition was the very first game and we lost 4-1 to St Mirren, who had been playing competitive football for a couple of months. So if you take the four league defeats and the Dundee United Scottish Cup defeat, we've only lost by a single goal in all of those games, which does show the sort of resilience in the squad. James, I'll come to you for your general thoughts on the season and I'll also ask you, could you see the turnaround coming that we got in April? I did not see it coming. I was, I'll hold my hands up. I definitely thought the league was gone. Uh, I think the, I remember the game against the Forfer where it finished two all. When this is, I think it was maybe the game right before we went on this big run, and it was just awful. Like I, mean, I thought that you know Forfer bought the league at the time. They're a bit just better than us. They did, they deserved to win that, and we were lucky to get a point out of it. But I remember afterwards, sort of asking uh, McCall after the game, I was like, you know, is you know, going to the league, is that still the tight? Is that still the challenge this season? And he was quite bullish about it. He was like, uh, no, it absolutely is. And obviously he's, he's, um, he's on the right side of history with that one. Um, but no, yeah, I'll be honest, I, I didn't really see this coming. Um, I thought performances were better over the course of the season than the league table would maybe suggest. I thought that there were games where we were battering teams a bit, but just, you know, couldn't 
just couldn't get that goal. I think you know, we, in most games we played, we made the better chances. We were the better side. So yeah, there were times when it didn't really work out for us. Obviously, and yeah, yeah, there were painful defeats, like you know, like the first game of the season that we had Clyde. You know, um, you know, we've had like some pretty sore ones, like Peterhead as well, was one that's a pretty tough one to take. But I think that while I didn't see us embarking on this kind of run, because let's face it, this will never really go on a run of like you know, <laughs> like that. You know, we don't, we've never really done that. So. I, didn't, I definitely didn't take him. I thought there would be improvement, but I think the scale of the improvements definitely caught me off guard. Um, but I think overall, though, I think it has to go down as a brilliant season for Thistle, just because of the manner in which we got over the line. I mean, it was a, thrilling, it was a really thrilling finale to what's well, been in a, you know, an unforgettable season for all the wrong reasons. So, um, and just in terms of you know the wider context of Scottish football. So I think that it will be one that we will look back on fondly, and it's probably the sort of thing in a few years that I'll be cranking out you know, long reads on. So yeah, stay tuned, guys, because it's exactly the kind of thing. That, uh, that's right up my street, you know. So at least it'll get me, give me something to do in a couple of years' time. So I guess from that perspective, I can't really complain either. I'm really looking forward to them in about five years' time after like five straight seasons of finishing sixth in the championship. No, they'll get us through it. Uh, Mark, did you, could you see the turnaround coming? No. Like, I think... I always like when you're a fan, your team are kind of underperforming. You always hold that little bit in the back of your mind, but I genuinely didn't see this coming at all. It just felt like we'd left ourselves too much to do. Falkirk were getting the results; they were ahead. Cove were effective, and it just looked like it was beyond us. Like we we had chances to beat Falkirk in the two games that we played them before. Everything shut down. We didn't take them. Uh, same with Cove. We lost to a last-minute goal and end of the first game after the restart. I suppose it's the first game after the restart. It was very poor, very attritional. It just looked like kind of like the reverse of the the Morton campaign in tw- in twelve thirteen, where they had they just had that wee bit over us up until that last game, where you're just like, there's too much for us to do, and. Yeah, I didn't see this coming at all, but very pleasantly surprised as to how it turned out. Mark, I'll stick with you. If you could rate the season at a 10, obviously we all of the good stuff really was crammed into the last month, but if you could rate the season as a whole out of 10, all things considered, what would you give it? I'd probably give it about eight and a half. Because, like, we were a wee bit unlucky against Dundee United, by all accounts. Um... We didn't disgrace us. We didn't like. We lost four one to St Mirren in the first game, and we'd no played for months. And like St Mirren have gone on to reach both cup semi finals since then. I don't think there's any shame in losing two or three goals to a team two leagues above you who are nowhere near the worst team in that division, and they've been to the, like been to the cup semi finals and stuff. They've beaten Rangers, the only team to beat Rangers domestically. I don't think there's too much. I wouldn't say it's a perfect ten because obviously there was a lot of shit to sort of wade through up until like the last up until April but yeah, I'd say 8.5 out of 10 David what are you giving out of 10? I'd probably say about 8, 8.5 because it was so sort of condensed into the last month uh, the high was an, an incredible high of just that the last four weeks of us just being happy which is not really something you expect as a Fissile fan very often in terms of just being excited to watch games and you know, the chat and stuff like that. It was all very exciting and the sort of mood to be around us. Again, I, I missed a lot of the championship season, so it was kind of nice to be 
to feel that sort of atmosphere. I will say that there will be a bit of uh, looking back in, in future years, and I think that with hindsight and with sort of a bit of distance from it, I think people will look on those previous results in the start of the season better than they did at the time. I mean, us going out five without conceding before the, the restart is a good example. We were very good defensively. It's just the, the, the losses were very cherry-picked and it was a case of, you know, it was a loss to Clyde in the first game of the season. It was Doc making a mistake in conceding against Cove. It was us not fulfilling the 1921 prophecy because Niang gets shoved in and like in a clearly blatant foul. Um, when we fucked it up, we fucked it up quite grandly. Um, Forfa being a great example of it as well. But I think as well you have to take credit for it. It's not just peaks and troughs. And there was a lot in the middle where we were just routinely going through games. And it might not have been very pretty to watch, but you were getting results and stuff like that. And I think you have to take that into consideration. So I'd probably say, I'd probably say an eight and a half as well, purely because the highs were highs. But the lows were low as well. And there was just a bit in the middle where we were very serviceable, but it's not very pretty to watch. I can't go through 10 or 9, but 8.5 is probably about right for me as well. James? Uh, yeah, I think I'd maybe sort of like a little bit lower, probably like a 7.5, maybe an 8. Um, just for, for what the guys have said, where I think that for most of this season, I've not really enjoyed it. Um, Certainly the first half of the season, there really wasn't much to shout about at all, particularly with all the injuries and stuff. It just sort of seemed like we were never getting going. And then even when we came back, like we you know, were talked about the games against, like the one that sticks out is obviously East Fife away, which now in retrospect looks like a good one. But you know, at the time it felt pretty demoralising, you know, the same as like the Forfer one as well. So, and like Peter Head. So I think that while obviously the, the finish that was brilliant and like it was seen, you know, um, guys like Senna in game time, you know, coming on, like really developing. I think there's been like four or five players from the academy that have been blooded in the first team this season. So all that stuff looks good. Obviously, we've got the title and all that. But yeah, I think there were, I, I do need to sort of remind myself of just there were large stages of the season where it was quite dispiriting. But then I think, though, obviously the amazing finale to all of that then kind of makes up for it all and it makes it all the more sweeter. So I think that, yeah, it would have been nicer if we'd sort of came down League One and cantered to it and made things a little bit easy, easier um, than they had, perhaps had to be. But I think all in, you know, I think we've got, we came out of the league with what we needed. You know, we got promotion back. We've got, we won like, the first time of asking. We've got a good squad of players now who now know how to play with each other. And we've got a few young players coming through as well. And I think that going into the season, if you'd said that that's what you're getting coming out of it, I think every single one of us would have snapped the, the person's hand off, you know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think eight's probably about right. For me, I think if you achieve the main objective, which is winning the league, you're sort of guaranteed a, a seven out of ten. I'd maybe boost up to an eight just because we've seen like the emergence of Senna. We've seen lots of good performances from key players like Brownlee, Bannock and Graham. They've all delivered. The two points missing to maybe make it a perfect ten is, I think, as you've all mentioned, it wasn't easy on the eye until the last three or four weeks. It was quite quite a tough watch at times. And maybe the other point, just we didn't really get a cup run. But I suppose that's out of our control. You know, if you're a League One club, the League Cup groups are sort of weighed against you with a premiership opposition and a couple of teams from the championship too. We're obviously unlucky in the Scottish Cup uh, to go out after Senna was fouled from the goal. So maybe that's slightly out of our control. But I think 8 out of 10 for the season is just about right. David, just before we move on, friend of the show Ken Boswell's got in touch with a question. He's wondering, 
if this was a full length 36 game season would the outcome have been the same would we still have been champions I'm tempted to say yes just because we'd have had Scott Tiffany and Zach Rudden available for even longer and I think they were key to the turnaround but just wanted to get your thoughts on that one before we move on in all honesty I don't think we do to be honest I think the key for us was that it was a condensed season and that there were so many games in the month whereby Falkirk got by up till about March. They were flying higher before the restart. They were several points clear. And I think that you have to acknowledge Falkirk's grand collapse in us winning the title. You have to acknowledge the fact that if that was over 36 games, Falkirk probably would have pulled together some sort of system to stop the hemorrhaging, probably would have made the playoffs at the very least, and probably won the title in the same way that we probably would have went for a phase of hemorrhaging points. We showed against like Forfrani Fife that we can drop points, same like Peter Head and that. And I, I think if it was over a 36-game season from August to May, I don't think we win it. Partly because I think just it was so condensed in that last month. If you spread that out over several weeks more, it, it doesn't work as well. And I, I do think I think the, the sort of the urgency of the last seven, eight games really compounded it. And it put Falkirk into a tailspin it rejuvenated us and I I don't know if we got to 22 games and we were top with another 14 games to go whether we could have held that I, I just don't see it so as much as I'd love to say we'd have cantered to it I, I don't think we would have to be honest I think we've been very lucky in the sense that the curtailed season is we've came into form at the right time well the other thing with that as well is that if there's no breaks and it's just a 36 game season, we don't get Tiffany, we get Declan McDade because the whole point was is that he was meant to come to us and then picked up form in the meantime while we were off. If there's no break and it's just a 36 game season, similar you know the way to the championship which just kept going and ticking over, we get Declan McDade. He, I don't think he has the impact that Tiffany does, and. That, that that the whole thing was the team were really, really bonded together and they came together and they seen the goal that was at hand and they seen how short the time span was. They seen our opportunity to capitalise that I don't think happens over thirty six games. Uh, we'll move on. I'm looking for some of your thoughts on the key men of this season and a couple of key moments. What moments do you think were key to us turning it around and mountain a title challenge when for most of the season it looked like playoffs at best so James I'll start with you for that one yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I've, I've banged this drum before on this podcast but uh, I think one of the guys who um, I think yeah, actually he has been getting recognition is Joe Cardo he's, he's maybe he wasn't quite as involved like, don't know he was still obviously was involved during the running he was still chipping in goals and assists here and there but I think that uh, his contributions have obviously been overshadowed by the likes of someone like Scott Tiffany or even Rudden in recent weeks as well. But I think it's important to remember that Cardo has been a really consistent performer throughout the season. I, I don't know exactly don't, I don't know exactly how many goals and assists he's got for the season. I think it's something like six or, six or seven goals and about the same number of assists, which for a player of his age is really impressive, especially considering the fact that 
he's not playing week in week out. You know, like it's generally him and Murray sort of vying for that spot on the right. Um, and he's also really shown his value. I think as an impact sub, but I'm sure it was him that came on against East Fife, and I think he got both assists. So I might be wrong there. And um, certainly he had game, a game against Falkirk. Where he did that. There's a game against I want to say Montrose as well. Shortly after the restart, where he came on and he got a goal and an assist. So I think you know he's one of these guys where he, I, I know I brought up his this earlier on, but you know his contract's up at the end of the season. I think that he's shown this year that he's definitely got, more, got enough to he can offer more going forward. Uh, I'd really like to see him. Um, sign on and I think the other guy you've got to give big props is Banzo as well who played you know, virtually every game this season and you know, missed a couple just before the Falkirk game um, after picking up a wee knock but I mean it's absolutely brilliant I think for him just to be back playing week in week out you know I mean people say he's got question marks over his injury record but he went about a year and a half two years I think without missing a game for Thistle so I think we can sort of put those Fears to bed now. You know, I just think that uh, he's been so instrumental in everything that we've done. And again, like Cardo, I'm picking him just because just because of his performances over the course of the whole season. I think lots of players have looked very good in the last month or two, but I think Vanigan and Cardo have both impressed like over the long haul, and that's why they get in. Uh, in terms of like in terms of moments of the season for me, um, I think I'm sure it's a bit popular. I'm sure we're all going to say it, but Kieran Wright save against Airdrie, and um, when we're one 0 down. Half an hour on the clock, we've been getting battered. If that goes in, we lose that game. Instead, you know, Scott Tiffany runs up the park, it's 1 0 within seconds, and we go on to win 4 2, which I think at the time that's the first time we scored four goals or more in a game in about like four, four or five years or something like that. So, um, yeah, that, that was a big win. Um, and I think as well, the other game, the other moment I would probably point to would be the most recent game against Airdrie at Firhill, where we won 1 0. I think it's you know a classic game in two halves. First half was all us, second half was all them. But we we really clung on <laughs> towards the end, and they were throwing us, they throwing players forward as wave after wave of attack without really testing Sneddon. I don't I don't really remember Sneddon having too many saves to make in that game. But then obviously right at the death, I can't remember what uh, who it was for them, but one of their players sort of turns in the spot in the box, cracks the ball off the post, the inside of the post as well at that in the ninety third minute. Um, and you know it just rebounds out <clears throat> it's one of those moments I think where you know when things are going for you when you're on these kind of runs that just doesn't that doesn't go in let's face it 90% of the time sporting party thistle that does go in so it, for it to get that little break the break of luck that little bit of rub of the green for it to go in our favour that was a really big moment and I think as well considering the fact that we've been defending so doggedly for basically all of the second half like the fact that we managed to do that and then hold on for a win I think that's huge psychologically for the players in terms of like, instead of you know conceding that late equaliser, I think that could have been quite a blow, particularly then having Cove away the next game, which I think it was. So those are the two moments for me, um, both against Airdrie, which is a shame. You know, couldn't have happened to a nicer club, but hey ho. <laughs> Mark, who were your key men this season, and do could you pinpoint any different key moments from the, the last few weeks? Well, I think I was. James and David have already talked about guys like Joe Cardo and Banzo and that. But like one for me, I think maybe kinda goes unmentioned. I, mean, I would say Jamie Sneddon. Because like I said rather unfortunately when he made the mistake for the two four four goals, I was like, that's it, Cheerio, but like he's bounced back from that and went on a run of not conceding like equal in the club record that Kieran Wright also equaled 
this year. So like having so having him go on that run at a time when we've already made predictions on whether he'll actually be here next season, whether he he might still not want to uh, sign on for next season or not. But his performance in particular during the, that sort of run that we went on, I think, can't go without mention, I think. For me, I think the key moment, I think it's it's definitely uh, the ball coming off. I think it's Gary Miller in the Falkirk 5-0 game when we go to make it 2-0 and from there on it's sort of plain sailing. But it just sort of bounces off him and then it comes to Tiffany for the, the single. Because at 1-0 in a game like that, you're always thinking, right, it's going to be tense, it's going to be hard going. And I certainly thought that I'd sitting watching it and on my phone and I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then Tiffany makes it 2-0 and you're like instantly just like, now nah, this is it. This is definitely going to be, not only are we going to win, but we're going to win it comfortably. I think while you touch on Jamie Snedden, I totally agree with everything you've said. A key moment is Jamie Snedden's save when we were 2-0 down away at East Fife. He made a really good save in the first half. I think it was low down to his right. And if he doesn't make that save, it's 3-0. And similar to the key and right one at Airdrie, we don't win that game and we probably don't turn our turn our form around. So Jamie Snedden there, a really good shout mark. David, what about you? Key men and any more key moments? Well, uh, my two moments, are they're, 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 a bit, they're a bit left field, but I feel that they are more well, one good and one bad moment, but were critical for our season that I think really turned around. Rudden's red card against Falkirk for fouling of abusive language was a moment I think everyone thought Rudden's done. Because I think this is his first game back from injury. He'd been injured so much throughout the whole season, he'd barely played. He came back, ready to make an impact, and he gets sent off for a, a needless red card. And at that point, we're like, Rudden's done. He just doesn't have it. That's it. And, we sit, and then the second moment, I think, is a sort of a continuation of that, whereby the Count and Beef game where Rudden gets his goal, the goal isn't ending pretty. But Rudden hadn't scored until then. They got a goal, and you could see how much it meant to him. And you could see the growth and development that he, he had to be, you had to go for your low before you get to your highs. If you know, what I mean, you had, you have to have that moment of pathos and reflection whereby you have to be able to see what's going on and, and make a change. And I think the red card was that sort of light bulb moment for him when he realised that, you know, that there was a bit of grown up to do and he had to, that he had some, some way to go and he worked on it. And when he got the goal against Cowden and Beef, even though it wasn't a lovely goal, you could see how much it meant to him and you could see how much it paid off for him at that point. And even though I think it was a game or two afterwards we didn't score, you just knew at that point that we were all talking about how the goals would eventually come. And it, it, once he'd got that there, it took a wee bit. But when, when he got into form, you could see the entire team was thriving around it as well. You could see that the sort of positivity that he was given was infectious. Everyone else was, the team mentality was really, really strong at that point. And I think if you look back at that Falkirk game with the red cards, and you look at, at that time, I think we all kind of commented at the time that the team were a bit disinterested. They just didn't look like they were up for a battle, so to speak. I think that was a real moment where they realised that, well, for Rudden certainly, that things had to change. And they did. And when he got to go against Ken Beef, you could see that he was delighted about the change. And I think even though that you know it's not the you know the five against Hawkirk heading up your glorious moment, we are jumping up and doing and 
grabbing grabbing the guy next to you and hugging him and all that but it was a real key moment in terms of the the development of the season for us in terms of key players obviously running but I would like to say Senna as well he's obviously had a setback in the second part of the season but at the first part of the season he was incredible and he'll bounce back from it and it was good to see him getting some game time late on yeah, totally agree with Senna, David, and you made some really good points on Rudden. The red card at Falkirk, it was like a, a screw the nut moment, and as you as you said with the goals, once he got one, he was he was on a roll from there. I think one moment for me, an off the pitch moment, was Adam Devine's loan getting terminated so that we could sign Scott Tiffany. I think that was a re- obviously a really key moment with Tiffany coming in the impact he made and. I think I tweeted about a week ago, Adam Devine died so Scott Tiffany could live. And it's a sacrifice we must never forget. As you'll know, on our last episode, we ran through our nominations and our picks for our Draw, Lose or Draw annual end of season awards. They were voted for by you. Stuart Bannigan won our Player of the Year award. Brian Graham won our Goal of the Season award for his goal against Falkirk in the 5-0 win. That game also won Game of the Season. Zach Rudden won our Most Improved Player. Scott Tiffany won best signing of the season and Neil Doncaster won the biggest boo boy. So congratulations to everyone, maybe apart from Neil Doncaster, and thanks to everyone who voted. So we're going to move on to, we've got nine players, so apologies if we've missed any nine players that um, we could try to either retain whom are a contract at the end of the season or re-sign if they are on loan. So I'm going to run through them and ask for about 30 seconds a chat on each and then should we try and resign them or not a yes or no answer then so we'll go through it in position order Mark I'll start with you Kieran Wright on loan should we try and resign him either on loan again or on a permanent yeah I think we should because I think we're going to need to because I don't I don't let me be clear I don't know how good Scullion and McCready are whether they're highly rated or not but I feel like having two young guys competing uh, could be very good for us going forward. Uh, so yeah, I would I would try to keep him in a permanent. We've we've got a good relationship with Rangers and we got a similar sort of deal with Rudden where we we paid a small fee. Rangers get a I think they've got a buyback on Zach's contract if he's if he really tears it up. So I wouldn't mind just maybe exploring that option with Kieran, but that's entirely based on, I don't know what uh, McCready and, and Scullion are like, or what the, what the manager thinks, whether they're highly rated or not, so if we we'd maybe take the risk of keeping them in the loop, if you know what I mean. So, re-sign, yes? Yes. David, Jamie Snedden? I think in a lot of similar ways uh, to Mark with Kieran Wright, I think it's it's very rare we at Fistel have a team where we have an a 1A and a 1B keeper as opposed to a first keeper and a substitute keeper. Both are perfectly adequate at the job. I would like to, I would like to have both. I think Snedden is a fantastic talent. He he need he, he's get he's getting stop and start breaks into the team and he's he's proven himself when he does it and I think he. He could be a long-term option for us as he grows and grows. So, yes, I would re-sign him. I think on the goalkeepers, if we could get Wright on a permanent, I think I would do it. If Wright was just coming in on loan again, I think I would rather we stuck with Snedden and just said, you're the number one. You've got a season at being the number one because he's still not really had that yet and maybe brought an experienced backup in who was just sort of happy to fill in when required. But, no, you all made good points there. James, we'll move on. Kieran McKenna? 
Yeah, I think that Kieran's like, I mean, obviously he's been playing at right back this season. He's naturally a centre half. I think. I think he's personally, I think he's been doing fine enough. Um, if Williamson does end up moving on, then obviously we'll need more bodies in there anyway. I think we, yeah, we probably could do something a wee bit better at right back, but certainly McKenna, I think he's shown enough this season that both at right back and at centre half that he's got a future at the club, and he's got he's got those long throws as well, which are handy. I mean, I think the only one that's gone in so far was against Dundee United, but certainly there's a good player in there. I think um, I think he's definitely shown as much this season. Mark. Uh, James mentioned him there and he has been rumoured to be leaving the club but Ryan Williamson should we try and keep him for a championship campaign if possible I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind but uh, you're probably going to come up on him shortly I'd rather have uh, Richard Foster there to be honest I think what we saw from Foz this season uh, more than capable steady hand on the tiller really good and it will really help with the sort of younger guys coming coming through because we've had a lot of young boys getting minutes this season, whether it's Senna or um, James Lyon or Billy Owens. We're going to have if we're going to have these boys in and around, you want someone like Foster in there who's going to be able to talk them through things, even though they're not necessarily in the same position. You need a kind of experienced guy there. I don't think going too heavy on young guys or old guys is a good thing going forward but I think we do need a couple of sort of older heads there and I'd, ra- I'd rather go with Foster there to be honest and I would let Williamson go I didn't have Foster on the list actually Mark but you've covered the right back position well there uh, we'll move on to the the other side of the defence David James Penrice is out of contract uh, how big a boost would it be to keep him oh immeasurable I think Penrice should be one of if not the biggest priority in terms of re-signing like uh, like getting his contract extended I think he has been fantastic for us over the last couple of seasons he's fistled through and through he has the potential to be another Bannigan or Archie and that he you know he he is just woven into the fabric of the club and I can only see him getting better and better and absolutely I would be going out my way to make sure that he um, is re-signed absolutely yeah. Mark I'll come back to you for this one just because I said I was going to do it in position order. Stephen Bell should we try and persuade him to have one more crack at maybe full time football or maybe keep him on a part time deal and just get him in for a year? I would say yes absolutely because I don't think we can rely on Tam aware uh, it's a real sh- it's, and it's through no fault of, of Tam's He's had horrible luck with injuries. And see, sometimes you just... And I'm, he'll maybe think this privately, maybe. Uh, maybe sometimes you just need to make a clean break and just get yourself away and get playing where there's no real sort of expectation. And bringing somebody like Bellin, who McCall knows, has worked with before, at air, is one of those sort of guys that they can rely on, that he that he knows he can rely on, more, which is massive for the manager. He knows what he can get from him. He knows what to expect from him. And I would absolutely have him in and around the team for sure. I think it could be massive for Senna as well, as I mentioned. Sort of talking about Foster, having another sort of experienced guy there. And certainly the Air fans I've spoke to when they were asking me how he was getting on were certainly very morose when I was telling them about how well he plays out from the back and how they've not had that this season. Yep, I agree with Bell. I think you mentioned Aware there. I think Aware's a tricky one because I think we're all desperate to sort of see the guy we thought we signed. 
and you mentioned him maybe getting a clean break with injuries, but if you wanted him to be best pals with somebody at Thistle, be best pals with Stuart Bannigan. He's been there. He's had the the double serious injury knock and been out for a couple of years. So if Aware's going to stay in touch with anyone, stay in touch with Stuart Bannigan because he, he'll inspire anyone to get back to their best. Um, James Scott Tiffany, is this a player we should be breaking the bank for? Well, that's a tricky one. Uh, hmm, should we re-sign Scott Tiffany? Uh, no, yeah, obviously we should. Um, I think that we should you know, be doing everything within our power to get him. We've all seen the impact he's had. It's hard to remember anyone having an impact like that. Even Scott McDonald, who obviously a bit of a cult hero running about for Hill these days, like he didn't have that kind of impact. So it's, it's, I don't think it's any understatement to say that if, if Tiffany had not arrived, we probably wouldn't have won the league just to the amount of goals, but also just like you know the moments he's provided. The, you know the, the goal against Cove, which was just fantastic. Again, just grabbing the equaliser out of nowhere in a game that we probably lose if he doesn't. Yeah, obviously it's him that got the goal against Airdrie. So like, there have been these. It's not just been like the number of goals and assists they've provided, but it's also been like when they've arrived. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he's out of contract. There's no development fee involved because um, he's not a living. He wasn't trained from Livingston's academy. He doesn't have an academy anyway. So <laughs> you've got to wonder. It's like if, if he's also at a club where it's working for him. We're a club now, we're at championship level. He might have premiership offers, but he might be keen to stay in the championship. If he is in the championship, you'd have to imagine that Barring, maybe Dundee and maybe Dunfermline, we'd be able to offer more money than just about anyone there. So you'd like to think we've got a good chance of getting him. Uh, <laughs> but I guess we'll just need to wait and see. But obviously, yeah, we need to do absolutely everything within our power to get him because he's just been that good. You know, it's it's just way too good for for this level. Um, it'd be amazing to see what he could do in a championship with us. David, Joe Cardo. I mean, yeah, I think we should definitely be looking at re-signing Cardo. It's statistics. I mean, James has mentioned him and they've been on Twitter and all, all the time. It's statistic in terms of his chance creation, just in terms of general output, is beyond anyone in League One. So even though it's a jump up to the championship. He's, he's operating at such a level at the moment that you absolutely want to just maximise that and get the most out of it. Ostensibly, well, we've looked worse when Cardo is not starting. So definitely, I would, I would say we need to be re-signing Cardo. I think I may be in a minority here. I would offer Cardo a contract if it was down to me, but I don't think it would be as big a, as a disaster if he, we didn't or he didn't re-sign as some might think. He has had 18 months with us in the Championship and I don't think he was anywhere near as effective as he has been this season. Maybe, well, we probably should sign him just off the back of this season because he hasn't pressed, but I think if we didn't sign him, it wouldn't be a complete disaster. James, I'll come on to you for the last one on the list here. It's Ross McKeever, who had a loan spell at Thistle for the, the latter part of the season, scored a couple of goals in recent weeks. Would you like to see him come back on loan or on a permanent deal? Um, well, I, guess, I think he's another one who I think his contract at Motherwell was up at the end of the season. Uh, I might be wrong. Um, although the distinction is that he is a Motherwell Youth Academy graduate as far as I'm aware, so there would be a development fee involved in that one. So that maybe makes that one a wee bit less likely. But I think he's shown in the games that he's had that he's a decent enough understudy to have for Brian Graham. And presumably that's you know the role in the squad that we'll be looking to fill this summer. Um, whether or not we keep him on or not. So, yeah, I think that if, if we could get him and it, we didn't have to pay money, then great. But, because, uh, you know, I think he's a safe pair of hands. We know what we're getting. He's you know, already familiar with the, the team and McCall's setup and all that kind of stuff. And 
you know, Brian Graham's a great mentor to have for that kind of position that he wants to play. Um, but at the same time, it's third choice striker, so it's not the most pressing uh, department of the squad. So like, it's not the sort of position where you'd be looking to spend money. Because let's face it, we're part of this, so we don't often spend much money anyway. And it seems odd that you do it for someone who's not even going to fit into your strongest starting eleven. Yeah, that's fair. We'll move on. We'll take a look at next season. I'm going to come round and ask you all for your hopes and maybe a targeted league position, and then I'll come back round you and ask you to pick one position on the field, or maybe even a name, uh, where you'd like to see us make a marquee signing. So, James, I'll start with you first. What do you think we should be aiming for next season, and what do you think will quantify as a successful season? I think we should be aiming for the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that's unrealistic at all, particularly when you look at how well Wraith have done this season after coming up. Um, and when you look at the teams that are likely to come down from the Premiership, I mean, you know, if Kelly were to come down, there'd be wholesale changes there just because their budget's way too large for the Championship. County and Aki's, if they came down, you know, they don't quite carry the same clout as, you know, a Hearts or a Dundee United or, you know, whoever that has been in the league in recent years. So I don't think there'll be a big sort of heavyweight in the league. So that's sort of probably placed in their favour. Obviously, there are there will be teams like Dunfermline, possibly Dundee, um, but probably Wraith, you know, like who will be up there thereabouts as well, you'd imagine. So... I'd expect it to be quite an open league, um, but to be honest, I'd settle for just not being involved in a relegation zone <laughs> at all. Not having to ever worry about the threat of relegation. I just think after oh, four or five years where it's all been, like, every game has mattered. Like, and To be honest, I mean, obviously playoffs would be good and I'd like that, but I'd definitely settle for mid, you know, quite, uh, mid-table mediocrity and just a nice quiet season where it's not quite as... It's not like every game, everything's on the line with every game, which you know gets quite tiring after a while. I think I think we can all agree on that. Uh, no, I know I totally get that. I think just in the aftermath of the Falkirk game last week, I was having a think about it, and I was like, oh, I just take eighth next season, like a nice comfortable eighth, ten points clear of ninth, and all that. Just ease ourselves back in. But now, like a week's passed, and you look at it and you think, if Aki's replace Hearts in that league, and maybe. Airdrie, Cove, and Trose replace Morton. You look at the league and you think it really is there for the taking. Like especially if if Dundee stay down and keep James McPeak, you can't see them do, doing a Hearts and like running away with it. They'll be up there, but you can't see them running away with it. It's a wide open league, I think, next season, and we're probably still banking on a Premiership team not coming down in the playoff. I think if County or Kilmarnock come down, that would that would change it quite a lot. They would be the, the clear favourites, but you look at it now and it's wide open. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I think I would, I'm, I'm honestly like, I'm not like slagging a manager or anything like that, but like seeing like the, the idea is to maybe go and push for promotion. To be honest, I just want consolidation next season. Fifth, maybe sixth. Not too far off the top four, but I don't think we can... I think expecting to get into that top four is maybe a bit much just now. I think we certainly get enough abouts to stay up and a good be in a good position next year. But I'd take fifth or sixth to be honest. That's just me being pretty much middle of the road, really, being modest. I'm quite surprised by that, Mark. I'll I'll remind you of this podcast when you're screaming your head off in the Jackie Husband stand when a nil-nil home draw to race keeps us uh, outside the playoffs. David, what about you? I am the eternal optimist on this pod. 
Um, so naturally at this point I should say that we're going to do a Hearts and win the championship by like 18 points next season or whatever. But no, um, playoffs has got to be the aim. Um, it's that old, it's that old meme. Um, at least we tried. If we can get into the playoffs and we don't get out of it, at least we tried. But yeah, I, to be honest, the realist in me says I would just like us not to be in a relegation battle with like three games to go. Just like to be boring and mediocre, but I think the playoffs should be the aim. McCall has come out and talked about the title, and I, I think we, the aim will probably internally be, be involved in a title race, and I don't think it'll be make or break if we go up or not, but I think that'll be the aim to sort of keep the momentum from this season into next season. We'll go on to, if you could pick one position, and if you've got a name, that's even better, but if you could pick one position where you'd like to see us make the sort of big marquee signing, what would you like to see, James? Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, Tiffany's the obvious one. Um, and then, you know, feeling that another pacey left winger would be nice. Um, but I guess for me, the one that I guess we're still not really, the kind of player we don't really have is like a number 10 playmaker type, you know. Um, obviously, Squiddy came back, he was injured. Um, you know, I'd imagine he's probably not coming back and just because obviously he's contracted East Kilbride and they'll be starting back up again. Uh, and I do wonder if we can, another move for Declan Glass could be done. I mean, I know he only played a couple of games for us and they were friendlies, but I thought he looked really good. I know he's highly rated by Dundee United, and obviously McCall's got a good relationship there. They were happy enough to send him on loan here last season, and they might well be tempted into doing so again for the next one, because I think he'll be getting, sort of regaining his fitness around that time as well. He's a player I would quite like to see at Thistle. Um, I know we don't really play with a number 10 at the moment, but obviously it gives you that option to switch it up if you need to. But um, I'm sure as well when he first, in those couple of games that he did play, he featured once or twice on the right wing as well. So maybe that's an option. So yeah, I think he's someone who I'd like to see come back to for how Obviously it'd only be a loan deal, but I think it'd be nice just to really see what he's capable of because obviously we only caught, caught a glimpse of him last summer, but the little bits we did see, I thought were really encouraging. Mark? Uh, yeah, to go along sort of with what James said, I think maybe that kind of number 10 kind of guy, maybe another wide player, a guy, actually, I think, he mentioned Declan Glass, but I'd go for a different Dundee United player. I'd like his team maybe get Chris Mockery, who's done really well with Montrose. I think he's the type of player we should be maybe looking towards um, in terms of like, if we're going to improve our going forward without... I don't think we need to do too much to our, in terms of our striker options. I think, but I think adding somebody like Mockery and uh, sort of that sort of number ten, maybe number eight type, also maybe out wide. I think he could be. He's somebody I would love us to pick up, or also another guy. And I would mind us picking up is Rory Payton or Rory Payton from Stranra, because McCall does like a sort of young guy from the lower leagues. He's done it before. I think somebody like him would be a very, very interesting move uh, for us, given how he's been playing for Stranraer League Two this season. He's a young guy, exhibs. David. Um, well, see, I, I was I was struggling. I think I think for me the key would be re-signing a lot of the players that we already have, but obviously that's not as sexy as a new marquee signing. And then I thought about getting, you know, maybe Declan Glass would be the one that we'd be looking at. But then James took that, so I think I have no option but just to go for a Patter signing. So I think we should just put seven figures into getting Connor Salmon back. 
I think that's the only way that we'll win the league title next season, uh, Connor Salmon. But in, in reality, Declan Glass and making sure lots of people um, re-sign contracts, I think that's the key. For me, I think it's Tiffany or a Tiffany-type winger. I think what we've seen in recent weeks is 4-4-2, I think was McCall's plan at the start of the season, to have Graham and Rudden in the team. And if we're going to play with Graham and Rudden in the team, we need width. Tiffany, we should go all out to get him, as James said earlier, and if not, a Tiffany type. Um, I'm not sure who that would be. Um, obviously, guys that come in and score almost a goal a game from the wing aren't easy to find in Scottish football, but if we can't get Tiffany, certainly somebody with pace and an eye for goal. To finish, David's going to take us through a game that he's invented himself and really inventively called it likely unlikely. Yeah, so it's it does it is what it says in the tin. Basically, we'll come round. I've got uh, I believe twelve uh, statements here, and come round you. We thirty second chat, and then you all see whether it's likely or unlikely to happen. So the first one, Partick Thistle will win the championship, likely or unlikely. <laughs> Everyone absolutely <laughs> fear. <laughs> I'm getting right. myself into oblivion. <laughs> if, if, uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll put my head above the parapet. Unlikely. It's not happening, right? If Ross County and Kilmarnock stay up and Morton go down, likely. I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I, I would agree with that. But I will go. I, 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 I'll agree. Likely, provided that Kelly and County stay out of our grill. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, next one. Oh, Mark, are you going for unlikely or likely? Yeah, I said unlikely. Can't believe I've uh, joined one. you as an optimist, David. <laughs> yes. Um, next one. Partick Fisher will be in either the promotion or relegation playoffs. Oh. Ooh, so like, like, likely. likely for me. Yeah, it's got to be likely. Yeah, I'm going likely. <laughs> So that, that is like 40% of the league, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exa- exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll go for that one, yeah. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll say likely for that as well. Next one. Stephen Dovey will play a game for Patrick Thistle. Unlikely, he's retired. No, he's not. Is he not? I'm sure I saw somebody congratulating him on his retirement. Oh, Maybe they're know. just in denial. I think he's only quit. I think he's still kicking about. I definitely mm. saw somebody saying congratulations on your retirement. So, mm. I guess we need to say unlikely then, don't we? I'll go unlikely as well. I'll go unlikely as well. We, we, how many how many times have we heard the Dobie rumour? I think we've had about four consecutive transfer windows where Stephen Dobie has like been our number one target. So, um, I am going to say unlikely. Next one, Falkirk will fail to be promoted from League One again. <laughs> likely. I'm going to go likely, likely actually. <laughs> yeah. Likely. I, I would agree, likely. Right. <laughs> That's a shambles. <laughs> see, if, now, see if Morton do go down and Ray McKinnon keeps Falkirk and Morton in League One, then God bless the man. <laughs> Get him on the 20th house note. <laughs> um, next one, now this one's a bit more open-ended, right? Chris Doolan will play a game for Partick Thistle. Now, I'm not. It's not just competitive games. I'm. He just he plays a game for a team that's Partick Thistle. So like banning his testimonial, whatever would count. Likely. 
Likely, yeah, it's got to be likely, yeah. Likely, right, <clears throat> okay, yeah, likely. Okay, and in the next season, Ian McCall will be part of Thistle manager, likely or unlikely? Likely. 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 He's not getting sacked and he said he's not going. David, see, just going back in your last one, see if like, somebody from the Sun listens to this. They'll quote us going, Chris Doolan definitely returning to Far Hill, no doubt about it, four on podcast confirm. <laughs> I, I would just like to take this opportunity to say, fuck the Sun. And if they, bought, if, they, if they even try to quote us, they'll be hell to pay. Um, I, um, I'll block all one. the Sun accounts on the pod Twitter so they can. Good stuff. F- the fan ownership process will be completed. I'd say likely. I think, yeah. I think it's going to go through. Eh? I, th- I think likely as well. Yeah, I'll say likely, yeah. I'll go likely. Fans will be allowed back in without restrictions. Likely. Likely. Likely if we're talking about any point in the season. Likely. Yeah. Uh, aye, aye. By the end of the season, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we'll be by August, but yeah, by the end well, of the season. Well, they're yeah, moved, we should, we should, moved we should, the should, playoff finals to let folk in, so. Yeah. We should point out, though, that like, none of us are qualified to answer that question. No. No. Like, not in the <laughs> That's slightest. the beauty of this. That's the beauty of likely unlikely. Um. <laughs> We're all massively ill-informed. And the next one, Thistle will get a foreign away day in the Challenge Cup. Well, I mean, by definition, it's unlikely, isn't it? Look only one or two you can get. Well, I mean, there's um, is eight teams. Two from England, two from Wales, two from Ireland, two from Northern Ireland. Some might not oh, play, yeah, but okay, like... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with my guns. I'm going to say unlikely. I'm going to say unlikely as well. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get drawn against them, but it'll be at home. That's what will happen. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm, I've extended this to be Scottish Cup, League Cup, Challenge Cup, Glasgow Cup, anything. Including the league? Are we talking silverware? No, not the, the league. He, not the league, just the cups. Unlikely. Yeah, history tells us it's unlikely. <laughs> Sadly. Mark? I said unlikely right at the start. I'm going likely. All right. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're doing, boy, but all right. <laughs> See what see when we're in the pitch when we win the Glasgow Cup. Um, <laughs> the challenge. Well, the challenge. I think we have a chance of winning the challenge. That's what I think that. And the final one. Lego Dave is unmasked. Surely not. Can't be done. No, I don't want to ruin the mystique. I'm going to go unlikely. I might go unlikely. I'm going to say unlikely as well. See when it turns out, it's just like a a da who nobody likes anyway. It's going to be really. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be awful. <laughs> It's amazing, though, isn't it? He's got his all on strings. Like, no one knows. There you go. So we're all saying unlikely for Lego Dave being unmasked. Yeah, he's always two steps right. ahead. Always, exactly. Playing 4D chess. Um, so what, what I think we'll do is that the next season we'll come back and we'll look at what we did for unlikely, unlikely and see how spectacularly wrong we were when Stephen Dobie's winning the European Golden Shoe for us as we win the championship and the, uh, the Scottish Cup. Jason, oh, thanks. I've never seen Stephen Dobie and Lego Dave in the same room. Just saying. That's a good point. 
<laughs> just well, imagine him getting changed at Palmerston, <laughs> putting on the, the hat after he's finished. Aye. I think likely, unlikely will return. It's a later date. It was good fun. We'll see what we'll see what the listeners think. Um, I don't have a partridge thistle question this week. Um, I forgot really um, until just there. <laughs> um, does anyone have anything daft of long, long since wandered? In fact, actually, I've got one for you. Oh, Jesus. Do you roll the wrapper up into a wee ball or do you carefully and meticulously flatten it out into a wee sheet? Depends what made it. I think I mentioned on the pod before I don't eat chocolate. However, I know in, a, in, in my heart of hearts with absolute conviction I'd fold it out into a big... Yeah, you got to scrunch up. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can be either or, but usually roll it in a wee ball. Who says Fistle fans don't get involved in sectarian divides? I tell a lie, actually. We received a, a Partridge Thistle question from um, Dave Donnelly. Um, it was actually Dave Donnelly's daughter, Katie, who submitted this question. And she said, what's the thing you used to do when you were a kid that you've never told anyone about until now? Fuck one me. of the one uh, of the stranger DMs to a football podcast has ever received. But. Uh, there's definitely one time I had a big sort of Scotland flag and I sort of cut holes in it so I could sort of wear it as like a cape and then so I could jump <laughs> up a wall because I was pretty sure I'd sort of glide. And then despite my parents telling me that you won't glide, I was sort of had my heart set on doing it. And obviously just you know, jumped off the wall and fell over. Uh, yeah, that's pretty dumb. I wasn't a very smart child. What's something you did as a kid that you no longer do now? Oh, no longer do? Oh, then never mind. Dep- it, depends how old this, <laughs> it depends how old this guy's daughter is, because I have an answer here. But age age 11. Absolutely, absolutely age cannot 11. say whatever it is, Mark. You absolutely cannot say whatever it is. <laughs> I was going to say, because I used to love, when I was a wee guy, I used to love uh, pieces in tomato sauce. That's actually worse than what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> As always, thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We hope you've enjoyed this season and our review of it. I was joined by Mark Wallace, David Forrest and James Kearney. Stay safe and wear a mask. <laughs>